Hello, and welcome to the Church 860 podcast. My name is Pastor Chris, and I'm the lead pastor of Church 860 located in Westerville, Ohio. Our podcast will have daily episodes uploaded where we have curated some of the best Bible teaching from across the globe. We hope you enjoy today's episode. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move and shake and change and just clean through our hearts, Father, to make us to be pure vessels for you. Father, you are honorable, you are holy, you are righteous. And I pray, Father, that uh, that would reflect in us so that we could go into a perverted, wicked world, Father, and uh, be able to be a shining light. Father, I I thank you, Uh, I praise you, and I give you this as your time, as a living sacrifice. We ask all these things in Jesus' name we pray, Amen. 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 Um, we've been, uh, last week we started to uh, launch into the life of Elijah. And uh, we started to see that there were several characteristics that we like about Elijah. He's a, a very bold, bold character in the Bible, a very strong, prominent prophet. He's one of the lead forefront prophets of the Old Testament. And we start to see then in him that there's some things that he does that's rather radical. He starts off as just walking up to the king, our introduction to him, and he goes to King Ahab, who's a schmuck of a king, I guess. And and he's turning around and he's saying, you're going down, you're going down hard. And he he starts this process of of saying, it's not going to rain until I say so. That's a, a bold statement to make to a king. And saying, God is upset with you, your path that you're on, and he's going to start to show you in a very demonstrative way by having it cease to rain. And he says, unless I say so, it ain't going to rain. And then he runs and hides. How's that? <laughs> and, and now we've gone through a process here of three and a half years later. Today we're going to see where it's going to start to be removed and it's going to start to rain again. And there's going to be a big confrontation and certain things are happening. But we got to love this guy, Elijah. We can see that God works through him in, in a mighty way. And, and for you and I, we want God to, 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 to work through us in a mighty way. And sometimes we ask, because God, how come those things don't happen today? Where are the signs, the wonders, the miracles? Where's the big things happening in my life? I, I'm rather drab and boring. And, and we miss some of the characteristics because God's still working today. It's just sometimes not with us because, you know, we're not, we're not quite the Elijahs. And, and, and we don't measure up sometimes of, 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 of standing up and proclaiming God's word the way he's asked us to. And, and, and we saw then that he, he went up to Sidon where, where Jezebel, the wicked you know, wife of Ahab, was from. An out-of-towner, uh, the country up to the north, and he goes up there. And then he takes care of a widow with uh, the never-ending uh, you know, bowl of oil and, and the never-ending you know, jar of water in the middle of a drought. That was a pretty cool miracle. And, and, and then we watched where Elijah turns around and does one of the topper of the miracles is to, is to resurrect this lady's son from the dead. He dies. He drags the body upstairs, lays him on the floor. He lays on top of this uh, body and he beseeches the Lord three times and says, Lord, let this soul of this child return. And sure enough, the man rises up from the dead. That's pretty good. I don't know about you, but I don't quite have that in my repertoire. 
<laughs> it's not something that's happened to me. And we sometimes can get frustrated and we say, Lord, why not? Why doesn't that ever happen? And, and why don't we see those things? And, and, and one thing we like about Elijah is that we understand that he's a man that's just like you and I. I've sometimes had a problem with Jesus, you know. Jesus can turn around. He does some superb miracles. And, and you go, man, you know, he does some, you know, walking on water, raising the dead, you know, healing lepers, you know, all this. Really, it sounds like when you're hanging out with Jesus, just things are happening all the time. And then you go, well, you know, he's the son of God. I guess it kind of works a little bit better for him than it does me. I'm just, you know, inept fool. And, and the, the, the trick of it is, is that it's not me that does anything. It's not you that does anything. It's God that does it all. And God sometimes chooses vessels, you and I, to work through. But if we're true to our, our calling, it's never about me. It's, it's always, always about what God does. And God is still working, and he's still looking for vessels to use. And sometimes we pray, Lord, use me. That, that's all my prayer is. And, and to see then, it says, quite, quite honestly, if we were to just to read a few verses from James, but it says, <coughs> Confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then here, James in the New Testament is quoting the Old Testament. He says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. And the idea is, is James is trying to say, here's something a little closer to home. Here's Elijah. He's a guy like you and I. He didn't have anything special going on about him uh, other than his dedication, his obedience to the, the, the word of God. He was somebody that was human. He, he had to eat, drink, and use the restroom like the rest of us. As the expression is, he puts his pants on the same way as any other of us, right? One leg at a time. And I don't know if he wore pants back then, but, you know, that's the idea. And, and, and you can see that Elijah, he, he comes up. And, and even in James, it, it has the connotation, and I want to stop and pause and think about this, because it has the idea that Elijah had all the power in the world to do this. Well, he said it wouldn't rain, and it didn't. And three and a half years later, he said it was going to rain, and finally it rained. And it was all kind of up to Elijah. And, and what I like, though, is, is if you read carefully, uh, Elijah is the first one to say, it's not all about me at all, it's all about God. And as we pop in today, chapter 18, verse 1, we, uh, we, we, we see a, 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 a concept here. It says, And it came to pass, after many days, three and a half years, uh, that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in Samaria. So he's going to go back to this wicked king, back in Samaria, and he's going to say, it's time for it to rain. Now, what I like about this is you're seeing quite clearly, it's not Elijah saying, I think I've made up my mind, time to go back there and let the king have a little something to eat and let some grass grow and, and have it rain. It's not a, 
It's clearly, it's clearly God telling Elijah, now go and do this. And he's obedient to the word of God. Now, I say this because one of the things I'm weak at in life is the English language. And it's a poor commodity for me as a pastor to be weak in English. And there's certain things that uh, 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 get, you know, the, the message can get lost in sometimes the words. And, and it always bothers me. I always get hit by, you know, the, the picky person, let's say. And I, I sit down there and, I don't know, fabricate a scene. You're disgruntled with the church that you're going to. And, you know, we have Calvary Chapel over here. And I've said things like, you know, why don't you come on over to Calvary Church, you know, Chapel over there. Our, our, our church is, is, is really different. And, and I like to sell our church sometimes. You know, we give you a free meal. We don't pass the plate. We got great worship. And we teach chapter by chapter through the Bible. There's no church membership here. We're not asking you to sign a pledge card. And nobody's, you know, hounding you for nothing. And, and I, I have a tendency sometimes to slip in that pronoun a little wrong. And I've said, you know, come on over to my church. And somebody will say, oh, my church? It's your church? I don't want to go to your church. How about if it's Jesus' church? And you go, okay, fine. I'm not here to say it's mine, mine. I'm not that stupid. Come on over and worship Pastor Dave Brown. Uh, of course it's Jesus' church, and of course he's the one in charge. If I'm worth my weight and salt and I'm teaching through the Bible, that's going to be clear and evident all the way through. And, and yet... I'm just saying, here's an example of, of Elijah saying, except by my word, it's not going to rain. And really what he's saying is, it's not by my word, but really when God tells me, then I'll come back and I'll let you know. And, and, and I don't think it's the crime of the century for myself or for you to be able to say, Calvary Chapel is my church. And, and, and I, I think that is almost good because it shows, here's a big word for us, a sense of ownership in the church. Mm-hmm. And, and it's nice that, that when you would say, hey, Calvary Chapel's my church, you're taking a responsibility for it. And there should be a time you come as a visitor, it takes a few times to feel adjusted, and you understand the pattern of how things are working, and then it becomes home to you. And, 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 and it's where you feel a sense of peace and rest to, to grow and to learn and develop. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with, with that statement uh, of saying it's my church. And, and matter of fact, I think it's almost important that each and every single one of us, we have to understand the body mentality. If we take ownership of the church, it's all of ours. One thing Chuck Smith does and he didn't do it to our class, but I graduated Calvary Chapel Bible College in California. And a lot of times Chuck Smith would come up there and, you know, teach for whatever. And, you know, if we graduate, he's usually there at the graduation, da-da-da-da-da. And it's been rumored that Chuck would, you know, sit down there and take, you know, as uh, the main entrance coming into the fellowship hall or wherever people are, are worshiping, and Chuck would sit down and throw a piece of paper on the... Uh, uh, on the floor as people are walking in. 
And then everybody walks in, and then they're having the graduation ceremony, and Chuck would stand up and say, I don't think any one of you deserve to graduate this Bible school. I don't think any one of you have learned anything. He goes, there's a piece of paper. Everyone walked and stepped right over it. Nobody bothered to pick it up. And, and you're going, wow, you know. Uh, and, and, and it's true that if you have a sense of this is my church, this is, you know, home, and, and and if you're walking in and you're going to see a piece of trash out on the parking lot out there, you're going to pick it up and say, well, gee, there could be a visitor coming this Sunday. I don't want them to see a beer bottle out there, you know, or whatever in the parking lot. I'm going to pick it up and throw it away and, and, and take care of the place because it's my church. I want it to re- you know, be represented. That, that's a sense of good ownership. And, and we should all have that as members of the church and of the body. And, and if you look at something and go, well, I don't take care of things like that. I don't do stuff. I, you know, the kid threw up on the floor, you know. Hey, you know, Marianne, you better get over here and clean this, you know. And it's like, you, you can't always say that. You have to start taking responsibility for things. And, and that's when the church comes alive. That's when people walk through the door and they're going, man, there's something about this church. People are so nice and so friendly and they're so loving here. I had 10 people come up and introduce themselves to me when I first visited here. Wow. Well, that's... Wow, that does my heart good. And, and, and in a certain sense, of course, it's all about Jesus. Of course, you and I recognize there's nothing that's going to come from ourselves. It's all what comes from the Lord. And, 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 and that is, that's the key, that's the key to, to what Elijah, uh, uh, Elijah is saying to Ahab. And, and I, I, I just think it's nice that we get a little insight that this is specifically what the Lord told you know, Elijah to do and to say, and now's the time. And it wasn't just him, as we might have the impression that that's what we think it was. You with me? Mm-hmm. My way out there in left field? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're all staring at me. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Dave's with me. That's good. <laughs> Verse 3. And Ahab had called uh, uh, Obadiah, who was in charge of his house, And it says, now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. So this is now one of those back at the scene of the ranch, if you would. This is what's going on with Ahab. And he's got, we're going to be introduced to this character, Obadiah. Now there's three or four Obadiahs in the Bible. This is none of them. This is just a character that pops up and pops back away, if you would. But it tells us, it says in parentheses, that Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. And, and for so it was, it says, while Jezebel, that wicked woman, uh, massacred the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them, 50 to a cave, and had fed them with bread and water. So we're watching now Ahab as he's a king. He's got his queen now, this girl Jezebel. Uh, and, and she's going to turn around and be on the war path. She's not somebody that just is not obeying God. She's not somebody that dislikes God. She's going to go up and have her own set of prophets for this false god, Baal, right? And, uh, and she's going to start murdering, he says, massacring the prophets of God. So that would be like saying... You know, Dave, I, I, I'm a little disgruntled at you. I don't like you anymore, and I'm leaving the church. I, I've had people say that. I don't know how they ever could, you know, not like me, but it, it does happen. 
But that's quite different than saying, Dave, I've had it with Calvary Chapel. I'm leaving the church, and you blow up the building on the way out the door, okay? <laughs> that's, not, that's not mediocre. That's not sliding away. That's not, oh, I'm, I'm smoking a few cigarettes or something over here. I'm blowing up the church, okay? Well, and that's Jezebel. She's an extreme, radical witch of a woman, and, 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 and she's now saying she's massacring the prophets of the Lord. And now this guy, Obadiah, is one of the faithful you know, men of the king. And he's going to say, man, if this is the case, we're going to take 100 prophets, hide them off into a, a cave, 50-50 each one. And he, out of his own pocket, I think, is paying to feed 100 people a day. That ain't cheap in any language, culture, time, or, 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 or error. And so now he's going to come up to the king now and saying, hey, we got a problem. We need to find some food. Verse 5, And Ahab had said to Obadiah, Go into the land, to all the springs of water, and to all the brooks. Perhaps we may find grass to keep the horses and mules alive so that we will not have to kill any livestock. So it's a downward spiral of, of you know, we're, we're starving, we're hungry, and if we start killing animals, then we're never going to have any meat. And it gets to be really dark. So they divided the land between them to explore it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. Now, as Obadiah was on his way, suddenly Elijah met him, Shazam. And he recognized him, and he fell on his face, and he says, Is that you, my lord, Elijah? And he answered him, and he says, It is I. Go tell your master, Elijah is here. So he said, uh, How have I sinned that you are delivering your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? What are you talking about? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to hunt for you. And when they said, He's not here, he took an oath from the kingdom or nation that they could not find you. And now you say, oh, go tell your master Elijah's here, and it shall come to pass. Oh, I know what's going to happen. As soon as I'm gone from you, oh, that the Spirit of the Lord will carry you to a place I do not know. So when I go and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, oh, he's going to kill me. But I, I your servant, have feared the, the Lord from my youth. Was it not reported to my Lord, you know, Elijah, that uh, uh, what I did with Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, how I hid a, a hundred men in the Lord's prophets, uh, uh, 50 to a cave, and fed them with bread and water? And, and now you say, go tell your master Elijah is here? He'll kill me. And then Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives, before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today. Now, Elijah wants to give him a, a, a little reassurance, and it seems like a weird discourse between these two people that, that, that Obadiah is saying, I, I know what's going to happen. Oh, yeah, uh, I'm going to leave here, go get Ahab, bring him back here. And, oh, the Lord took you someplace, and you had some spiritual mission, and there's a, a hidden meaning behind it, and you're going to be gone. Then I got my boss upset at me, and I'm dead. Okay, thanks. You're, you're killing me. Uh, give me something else to do here, because this is not right. And, and Elijah gets it, and he says, I cross my heart, hope to die. I, I promise you I will be here waiting for Ahab to show up. Um, uh, today, okay? Not tomorrow, not some, you know, in, in some spiritual sense, and uh, I'm not giving you some weird translation of, of the Bible here. This is, I'll be here, okay? 
All right. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab, the wicked king, and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Oh, is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, well, you know, Elijah said, hey, 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 I have not troubled uh, uh, Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. And, and you're going to watch then where this is going to turn into a major confrontation. We'll get into that in the next couple of weeks. It's really cool of a lot of things that happen. But you've got to pick out what, what's going on here, that, that there is a, a confrontation between good and evil. Elijah being good, righteous, holy before the Lord, and Ahab, uh, uh, the bum of the century, who's murdering God's prophets. And, and, and Ahab comes up, and notice the language. He says, is that you, you troubler of Israel? Hey, isn't that an amazing statement? Uh, that, that somehow or another, you know, people, people have this view that the world would be such a nice place if we could just get rid of those stupid Christians. It's getting to be a stronger and stronger predominant view. We got problems around here. You know, we could be partying, playing, getting drunk and having a good old time, and we would never worry about it. But you Christians come up and tell us it's wrong and make us feel guilty about what we're doing. You're right. That's good. Because with sin, there's consequences, people, and we have a, a, a right and a place to say that. And yet, the, 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 the battle lines are drawn. And, and we, we, as Christians, are foolish if we believe that there's no battle lines between us and Satan. And, and, and the world, the flesh, and the devil all have a plan to rob, kill, and destroy us and anything good. And, and, and we have to hear that. We have to know that. And sometimes it's amazing on how we can forget that. And sometimes it says, well, if there was a God, you know, why is the world stink so bad? Why is all this killing it? Why is all that? And you go, whoo, of course there's a God. You don't want him around you for one thing. And the second thing, there's a thing called the devil. And the devil is here to, you know, destroy your life. And you're, you're going to blame that on God? And, and it's the lunacy of man that, that when he gets into a problem, he blames God instead of drawing closer to God. That, that's wisdom on our part, where we would draw closer to, 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 to God. And unfortunately, it comes from this thing called a, a superficial Christian. How's that? Now, if you watch some of the language here, there's a parsing between Elijah and Obadiah. And, and, and as Obadiah comes up to Elijah, he goes, is that you? And he says, my master, Elijah? And he goes, yes, it is. And, 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 and Obadiah is trying to say, hey, uh, I respect you as a prophet. Elijah turns around, he throws it back in his face, and he goes, no, you go get your master over here, uh, uh, Ahab, and bring him over here, and we'll sit down and have a confrontation with him. And what is he really saying? He goes, I ain't your master. God's not your master. Your real master is Ahab. That's the one you're bending your knee to. That's the one you're living in fear for. That's the one that's your, your true master. And, and the issue is, is, is who is our real master? You and I. And, and it's amazing how we can think like Obadiah. 
You know, oh, well, of course I'm a righteous man. Of course I fear God. Uh, didn't you know that I sat down and saved a hundred prophets' life and kept them in the cave and fed them out of my own pocket? And boy, we can sound just like him, don't we? Of course I'm a Christian. Don't you know I go to church on Sunday? Don't you know that I, I you know, eat my Wheaties in the morning? And don't you know that I'm a good boy? And, and, and God doesn't care at all about what we've done. And, and we're never known by what we do. We're going to be known where our heart is and, and who our master is. And, 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 you know, when the going gets tough, you know, the tough go and turn to their God. It's just that simple. You know, if, if, if you get slammed with, you know, the house burns down, your wife leaves you, and now you have, you know, AIDS on top of it, and your only response is, is man, I got to go get drunk tonight. <laughs> I've had a day and I deserve it. You just said, there's my, there's my God, my bottle is my God, and that's where I'm turning when the problems get tough. If you would actually be able to say, you know what, I need to get on my knees, I need to get alone, I need to talk to God, I need God to just wash me, cleanse me, because I am just getting hammered in every direction. Now you turn into the Lord. And, and, and we all turn to things in the middle of a crisis, and, and, and it comes down to that issue of not what you've done or haven't done or you can brag about and think that you've got something accomplished. No, it's, it's Lord, I just need help. And, and honestly, that's the heart of all of Christianity is just to say, Lord, I need help. He'll take care of the rest. Who knows what's going on in your life and, and why things are happening. There's a lot of things going on in my life. There's a lot of things in, in this church that are going on that makes my head spin on what's happening in people's lives. And, and, and you know what? God sees it all and he sees you and he sees your situation and he wants to. He's begging you to say, just reach out your hand. I'll take hold of it. I'm going to pick you up. I want to carry you and I want to take you to a new place. Oh, Lord. And, 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 and it comes down to that question of, of, of who, who, uh, who, who has ownership of you. Not just if, if you own the church, which is cute in a sense, uh, uh, but, but who owns you? And, and, and that's the question that says, you know, does God own you or, or do you own yourself or does something else owns you and possesses you and drags you down the street? And, and, and uh, you know, for me, you know, you're, you're facing a, a difficult problem and, you know, I, I could be dead. You know, wow, Dave, you could be dead. And, and you know, you're facing a major struggle with your cancer and blah, blah, blah. And the truth of the matter is, is you go, no, no, I died, you know, 25 years ago when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I said, Lord, my life is yours. I can't die now. I, I've been dead. I, I, I've surrendered my life over to Jesus Christ. Now, whatever happens from here, whether I'm here on earth or up there with him, side by side with him, I, I, I'm going to be taken care of. And, and there's no fear. There's no whatever's going to happen. It, it's saying the Lord owns me. And when you have that, that's when you start to receive the peace of God in your life. And, and, and you can just say, Lord, I, I, I'm scared, I'm, I'm afraid. And all of a sudden, God says, I got it taken care of, Dave. Let's all take it. I go, oh, you're right. And the Lord wants to give you that sense of peace in your life here today. And, and it, it's just by saying, who owns you? And if you really sit down there and say, Lord God owns me, it's all taken care of, you'll have that peace if you want to struggle and turn and run and fight and keep one foot in the world and one foot over here and play with the devil, the world, and the flesh, go out there and play around. Amen? Amen. 
Amen. Let's uh, stand and uh, close in prayer. How's that? Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we do thank you and praise you for just each and every one that is here today. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit would be molding us and shaping us. And that, Father, each and every single one of us here would answer that question of whose are we? And that we'd be able to respond and say, we're the Lord's. And Father, it's you that is in control of our life and that you have a destiny and a purpose for us and a plan for us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just continue to move and to touch and to heal. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Church 860 podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed it. If you have, we ask that you would like and subscribe to the podcast so that you can get daily updates. If you'd like to know more about Church 860, please visit church860.com. Thank you. God bless.